Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to episode 22 of MNN Sports Talk Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MN Sports Talk Pod. For Nick Rivera, I'm Mark Morales. And Nick, it's been a rough couple of days here for the New York sports fan between the Yankees, the Giants, and the Jets. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what is going on right now. Like, <laughs> I can't even just enjoy my sports. I'm just sad all the time. This sucks. Yeah, it's... Uh, you know, with the Yankees being eliminated over the weekend, the Giants and Danny Dimes having a rough afternoon Sunday, and then last night on Monday Night Football between the Jets and the Patriots, seems like Sam Darnold's doing his best Daniel Jones impression with all those turnovers. Oh my goodness, you are such a fraud, such a hater. Don't get mad at me because your quarterback is beans. <laughs> yeah. When when Daniel Daniel when uh, Sam Darnold was throwing all those picks last year. You had the energy that he's a rookie, he's learning. Well, my guy's a rookie, he's learning. Your guy's in year two, still beans. <laughs> so I don't want to oh, hear it. I, the, the only thing I could say to that is Darnold could only go up from here. He can't play any worse than he did last night. Well, when you when you guys beat the Cowboys, it was Sam Darnold's the truth, Adam Gase. And then 33 nothing shutout. Ooh, that hurted. Yeah, yeah, that hurted yeah. me actually. I was at work. I'm, I'm so glad I didn't get to watch that. <laughs> yeah, I was just looking at my phone updates, and every time it was like uh, seventeen nothing. I said, "Ooh," <laughs> then twenty three. Oh, <laughs> it just kept going up. I was like, "My lord, have mercy. I know." But I think the the biggest thing that probably hurt the most over the course of this weekend, the past few days, is the Yankees being eliminated from the ALCS by the Houston Astros. And now for the second time in three years, the Astros would have beaten the Yankees to advance to the World Series. Just, it's not what you want to see when you're a Yankee fan, especially coming into this year with such high expectations. They won the division. They swept the first round of the playoffs and the ALD. And, you know, going into the ALCS, you know, they should have had a lot of confidence. And obviously it wasn't the end result that everybody wanted. Honestly, uh, they're just bums, bro. <laughs> like, and it's like multiple days later, and the only word I have for the Yankees is just bums, man. Like every year, you go to the playoffs, and what do we? What does everyone talk about in the regular season? Hitting, hitting, hitting. Oh my God, look how many home runs Aaron Judge hit. Oh my God, look at all these home runs, home runs. And then you get to the playoffs, what do you get? Zero runs, one run, two runs, just shut out, beans, bums. Aside for game one, I'm not even going to count game one. That was a fluke. Just straight up choke. Yeah, and they, they <laughs> absolutely did choke, in, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying, how, like, everyone is hyping up the offense of this Yankees team. They, were, they think they were um, second place this season with most home runs hit as a team behind the Twins. Um, but it, I think – this series just shows you that no matter how good your offense is throughout the regular season, you know, the offense, anyone's offense to get shut down and come postseason. You're, you're facing better pitching. You're playing for the, for the most part in the cold. So the ball's not really going to travel as far as it would on a, on a nice summer day, but we've seen it in this series from both sides because it's 
not like the Astros were hitting the cover off the baseball either. I mean, both teams really struggled to hit the ball, um, especially the Astros. The first two series for the Astros, they didn't really hit all that well. And it just seems like the Astros had more timely hits than the Yankees. The Astros were able to capitalize with runners in scoring position, with runners on base. They were able to get that big hit, at least one big hit per game, where the Yankees, you know, they, they really struggled to get that big hit, especially with runners in scoring position. I think I don't know why everyone on the Yankees didn't hit, get those hits. The the I think the huge difference for me at least was the Astros actually made contact with the ball. Like the Yankees are just they just strike out nonstop. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't understand the benefit, the home run or the strikeout. I'd rather get a a double than strike out. Like everyone is like you see these swings like they're they're like swinging at the sky. I'm like, "Bro, it's not that serious." If you if you have bases loaded, you don't need to hit a grand slam. You just need to hit a single, and that drives in like that could drive in two runs. Yeah. Like, I, I I don't understand it. And with the pitching, surprisingly, the pitching held up. Like these were all close games, and even when they had Cole Verlander, Granky, they were in these games. Except when the batters came up to the plate, when the savages in the box came up, showed. No, yeah. Yeah, I agree, man. I feel like, especially when the Yankees were behind in games, I feel like besides DJ, because DJ LeMahieu, you know, he was the only one that stayed hot, stayed consistent throughout the entire postseason. Um, Glaber Torres obviously had a great round one and a great game one against the uh, the Astros in the ALCS, but since then he pretty much got really cold. And I mean, Judge has had timely hits here and there, but he struck out a lot. His defense though was was great. Um, not taking anything away from Judge's defense, but it seems like hitting-wise, it, it really feels like DJ LeMahieu is the only one that showed up to really hit. And going back to my point that what you, and your point about the strikeouts and the home runs, it feels like multiple to- parts throughout the series when the Yankees were behind, it seems like they were just going up there looking for the big home run. And, you know, I agree with you. you got to go up there at least just getting some contact. Move the runners over if there's runners on base. You know, get a ground ball that, depending on where you hit it, it can move a runner over. Get a sack fly instead of trying to hit, you know, a two-run, three-run home run. And I think that was the biggest problem for the Yankees. And, and you know, like you said, the pitching did hold up, surprisingly. You know, their starters, for the most part, were able to get the job done. Um, Paxson had a huge game um, in his second performance against the Astros in the ALCS. He had a huge, huge game. Um, Tanaka had a great game one, obviously struggled a little bit in game four, um, for the exception of that one inning in game four, we gave up that, that, uh, home run. But, you know, I, I think the two biggest problems for the Yankees in this, this ALCS was their offense. And, you know, as as well as the pitching was, I think a big part of it has to come to the bullpen and, and the pitching. And I'll get more into that later, but, um, yeah, but right now let's just focus on the offense. I think the offense they really, besides DJ LeMahieu, they really were cold. Yeah, it's just so infuriating because, like, just I know that's the way baseball is nowadays with uh, with the home run or bust. Like, it's just, I don't know. I just think it makes absolutely no sense. Like, I know kids in Little League that could hit where the, where the shift wasn't. And you're trying to tell me you're getting paid millions of dollars to hit a baseball and you can't hit not into the shift. Like you should be ashamed. Of yeah, I agree, man. Like you don't, you don't need to hit a home run. You're trying to tell me that you have nine professional batters with the, with the designated hitter. Now you can't just 
go through the lineup, if you were to hit a single or a double or make contact every time, you're going to score runs. It's just absolutely mind-boggling rather than going through nine innings looking for one home run and you don't get anything. Yeah, and um, I, I think I, I think the series was lost after game two when, when Carlos Correa hit that walk-off home run. I think it was in like the 10th or 11th inning. Um, you could just tell that the Yankees got the energy sucked right out of them. And then they follow up that performance and only putting up one run against the Astros in game three. And then in game four, you know, I was at that game and the crowd was into it. They were getting loud after every single pitch, after every out. And then once Tanaka gave up that home run, the where the Astros obviously never gave up the lead after that, you know, the energy was just sucked right out of the building. The Yankees looked defeated. And it really looked like they gave up. You know, they committed, I think, like four or five errors in that game. Glaber had two. DJ, I think, had one or two. Um, Didi, I think, had one. You know, it was just not a great game. Very sloppy. And then you saw it. it the game after that and the game in, in game five and game six, you know, a lot of first inning pass balls, wild pitches. You know, Gary Sanchez, his defense is being questioned once again because of his performance in the, in the second half of the series. And, you know, it's just... It's it's a shame that the errors and especially the 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 like the coldness of the bats really did it for the Yankees in this series because like you mentioned in the beginning, you know the the pitching really held up for the most part, um, and it's just a shame because you know Edwin Encarnacion he was like a black hole in this series. Gary Sanchez was a black hole. Um, Didi Gregorius was a black hole, and you know we'll get into Stanton too. But like besides Game One for Stanton, when he did play eventually. In game five, I mean, he was just a black hole. So, you know, Judge for a lot of time striking out. And he became a black hole, too, in, in this series. So I think it was just a collective effort on the offense as a whole, besides DJ LeMahieu, as to why this series ended up the way it did. And, oh, I can't even. <laughs> Every time, like, you just you just bring up stuff, it gets to me. So, so just not even mad, just disappointed, like just watching this team, like it sucks. Like Gary Sanchez, I'm sorry. Let me call this an overreaction. He's got to go. I'm tired of watching this bum sit behind plate and just let balls go by him. It's just like a nonstop thing. And people, oh, but his his hitting. Well, guess what? This is the third year in a row when the playoffs come, uh, he disappears. So, like, I, I don't know. I don't know how many times you have to go. Um, to the ALCS to actually, you know, start getting a hit or two and actually, you know, start learning to catch and maybe throw someone out stealing on you. But why would that work? That's what only what catchers do. You have all these home run guys. You think, you know, give me, give me a pop-up to the deep, to the, uh, to the track every time, or give me a pop-up. If you're going to try to hit a home run, don't like miss the ball. I don't understand. I understand you're playing, um, these all-time pitchers in Cole Verlander Granky, but guess what? It should be 50-50 at least. I don't know. I want to see – I expect strikeouts from them, but at the same time, you yeah. got to be able to, like, get the ball. <clears throat> you know, I, my uncle agrees with you about the whole Gary Sanchez thing. He's not a big Gary Sanchez fan either, and, and he wants to see him get traded. He sucks. <laughs> he just sucks. That's my that's that's my analysis. He definitely needs to improve defensively, and then when it comes to the postseason, offensively. But you know, now let's get into some of the pitching. You know, I think for the most part, the pitching held up. Like we said, you know, the starters for the most part did their job. The bullpen for the most part did their job, and it just seems like there was that one or two, you know, one or two pitches in every game that really decided the the game as a whole and really decided the series. Because you know, like I said in the beginning, both teams weren't really hitting. It's just the Astros got 
more of those big hits in the right times than the Yankees. But, you know, my only con- problem with this Yankees team is that if, th- if this series tells you anything, it tells you that how much, like, how much value starting pitching has in baseball, especially when it comes to the postseason. And, you know, people are going to say, oh, well, Cashman did a good job constructing this, this uh, bullpen, did a good job with the starting staff. You know, I think this is where this is where the Yankees, you know, lost this postseason. Yeah, the, the hitting didn't show up, but if the Yankees had one horse, one ace in their in their starting rotation, you know, that takes pressure off everybody else. And then you don't have to use your bullpen over and over again. Because, you know, like Chad Green gave up a big home run. Adovino was horrible the entire postseason. But you know, like Chapman too, giving up the, the walk off home run in game six to Altuve. I think, you know, if you had that horse, none of that stuff would, would necessarily happen. And the, my reason is because the way that the Yankees constructed their starting rotation for the playoffs is that they hoped and prayed to God that their starters got through at least four innings. You know, if they got through five innings, that would have been great for them. But they, they hoped and prayed that their starters could at least go four. Then it seems like Aaron Boone did the same thing over and over again. He went with Chapman. Oh, not Chapman. He went with Chad Green right after. Then Canely. Then he tried to bring an Adovino in a big-time spot. Then he brought in Britton and then Chapman. And he did that over and over again, starting from game one all the way till game six. And when you're the Astros, when you're playing a seven-game series and you're seeing these relief pitchers, this, your, this bullpen, over and over again, and you get to game six, and now this is the sixth time you're seeing this particular relief pitcher, you're eventually going to have their number. You're eventually going to know what to expect, know what's coming. And if you're the Astros and you're coming into this game knowing, all right, all we have to do is knock out their starter, and we're gonna see Ch- we're gonna see Chad Green right after, followed by Canely, possibly out of you know Britton and Chapman. You know you're setting yourself up for failure if you're the Yankees doing it that way, and that's why I think you need to have an ace, you need to have a horse because if you had let's just say uh, Garrett Cole for the Yankees going in Game One, he gives you seven strong innings. Now you're only using Britton and and Chapman in the eighth and the ninth. Then in Game Two, if you have classic postseason Tanaka who goes let's say six, possibly seven, most likely six innings, then you go Canely, Britton, Chapman. And then in game three, if you go Paxton and he only goes five, then you bring in your big, your, your middle relief guys in out of Vino and Chad Green. And that's the first time they see those guys as opposed to seeing Chad Green and, and Canely and all those guys in the very first game because your starter only went five. Do you see where I'm getting at, Nick? Yeah. And it's just, it's just mind-blowing how the Yankees have – uh, have the budget of the Montreal Expos. Like, come on. Like, it's just, it, it's, oh, we're, we're built to win. Well, this is three years where you go and you get, you choke. So, like, I, I don't know how long you're going to wait. Like, your window's only open so long. And yes, granted, the team is relatively young, but they aren't getting any younger. Your bullpen isn't going to stay the best in baseball forever. This, this new Steinbrenner sucks, man. <laughs> I miss Giorgio. Mm-hmm. That guy would he did anything to win. You're the New York Yankees. You have the number one market. You're probably the one of the top um sports franchises in all the world. And yet if I, you look around, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Dallas Cowboys, convenient how mm-hmm. the New York Yankees are very cheap. Like I don't I don't understand. I, I agree with you. It feels like this Yankees front office is not really putting the pieces together that they necessarily need to win. Like, like yeah, they brought DJ LeMahieu, who I think was the best signing out of anyone in, in last year's offseason between all the teams. But 
you know, this, this Yankees team has lacked starting pitching, and Cashman has proven time and time again that he is, A, not going to invest a lot of years and a lot of money into a starting pitching when they are available via free agency, and B, he's, re- he's willing to not give up top prospects in a big-time trade like the Granky trade, for example. And, you know, I just think that's the one thing that's holding the Yankees back is their starting pitching. And if they're able to get just at least one big-time free agent or one big-time starter, I think that changes the narrative for this Yankees team. Because the way this Yankees team is built now, the way Cashman has constructed this team now, is they're great in a 162-game season. You know, they had one of the top offenses in baseball. You know, their, their team, like I said in the beginning of the episode, they were the second in Major League Baseball with the most home runs hit as a team. But, you know, that's, all, that's great to do in a regular season. Your bullpen, the, the, the way that you constructed your bullpen, you have like 10 closers on the team. How many more closers do you need to, to win a championship? But, you know, like the way this bullpen is put together, it's great. They can sustain 162 games. And when you're playing the same team every single day, you can't go back to the same guy in the bullpen for the sixth consecutive game in a row. You know, like, like the way this team is built, it's built to be great in the postseason. It's built to get you to the postseason. But it, it's not built to get over that hump to win a championship. And the crazy part is the Tampa Bay Rays did a better outing against the the, the Rockets, the Astros um, starting pitching, yep. because they put the bat on the ball. It's not a very hard concept. Yep. As long as you get hits, then you start getting into the mind of the pitcher. You don't need to get a grand slam every at-bat to, to win the game. And it's it's so frustrating. And the the whole thing with the pitching is – they they do get pitching, but the pitching they get, it's always um, someone who's like didn't prove themselves, had one good year, one good a moment, or they're already past their 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 prime. J A Happ. Well, I don't know why we didn't sign that guy just because he was good on Toronto. I was like, oh, that's cool. Uh, Sonny Gray, bum. Lance Lynn, bum. Paxton. I mean, Paxton did well this. Um, this offseason, but I don't know. He just doesn't feel like it for me. He just feels like a number three, four starting pitcher. Like, he doesn't feel like a top guy. And everyone knows it. So, I feel like no one's scared of James Paxton. Yeah, he, he um, performed well. But there are just so many pitchers that you could have had that could have turned the tide. And, like, yes, the pitching held up. But, like, I just don't understand when the pitch, when the pitching is your number one flaw your number one weakness why why year after year do you not try to improve it you yeah i agree and so slightly every single year that is their biggest weakness and there there's going to be four pitchers in the world series that the yankees could have had on their team right now max scherzer justin verlander uh, patrick corbin and garrett cole isn't that insane like doesn't that piss you off that there's four above average ace type starters that could have been on the yankees that are facing off in this world series someone like patrick corbin like, they just didn't want to go the extra year with him in the offseason last year. So they, they, uh, they stopped negotiating, negotiating with him because I don't want to go the extra year. But then guess who they give the extra year to? J.A. Crap. Um, maybe it was a move because if they would have signed him to the big money, then they wouldn't be able to potentially go after Cole this offseason. <laughs> they're not going to sign Cole anyway. <laughs> it's just they crazy told, that year after year they just so refuse cheap. to do any, the, the necessary moves to make them better. And I agree with you, Paxton. Uh, when they acquired him from the Mariners last year, I never looked at him as the answer. I never looked at him as the ace. I looked at him as a solid 2-3 starter. And, yeah, Paxton had a great, great second half of the season. I think he was like 10-0 and with a sub-3 ERA. 
And, you know, in, in the, his final start of the season against the Astros, he, he was great. I think he threw over 120 pitches. He went six strong innings. But then again, in game two, he only lasted two and a thirds in it. So, I mean, we haven't really seen enough of Paxton yet to really declare him as, you know, our ace or our number one starting pitcher. I want to see more from him. I think this pitching needs to be addressed in this offseason. I think that their, their offense is good. Don't get me wrong. Their offense is good. I think if they just stopped swinging for the fences and started hitting for contact, which I think they'll, they'll try to do more now moving forward, but I, I don't think the offense needs to be addressed. I think it's the starting pitching that needs to be addressed because – yeah, the pitching held up, but going back to my point earlier, if they had a horse, they wouldn't have to overuse the bullpen the way that they did. And then going into game six, maybe that's only the third or fourth time that this Astros um, hitters are seeing Chad Green or Canley, for example, instead of it being the sixth time in six games that they're seeing Chad Green. Yeah, I feel you. It's just, it's just so infuriating and so annoying like how every every year ends for the third year in a row granted the first year i'll give it to him that wasn't supposed to happen last year the red sox score like 33 runs in yankee stadium this year they can't even win a game in yankee stadium like <laughs> yeah, and, and the uh, thing that these bums the thing that face. infuriates <laughs> me the most out of everything I is can't. the way that the yankees regards if it was his fault or not the way the yankees handled giancarlo stanton and, you know, he played in game one. He hit that big home run, and apparently he hurt his quad muscle prior to him hitting that home run in game one. Then we don't see him in game two. We don't see him in game three after being told that he could potentially pinch hit. Game four obviously gets rained out, so it gets moved the day, so that gives him another day's rest. We don't see him in game four. Now they're on the brink of elimination at 3-1. Edwin Encarnacion has been a black hole at DH. But we're not taking him out for whatever reason. And then finally, once you're down 3-1, you're on the brink of elimination. In game five, then you put in Giancarlo Stanton. Granted, I think he went 0-3 for with two strikeouts. But the Yankees still won that game. And the Yankees, in this postseason, were undefeated in games that Giancarlo Stanton played. And they didn't win a game in the games that he didn't play. So his presence definitely means something in that lineup. Whether he's actually performing or not, the him standing in the batter's box with the threat of him putting bat on ball to equal a home run, that really messes with the pitcher's mind and messes with, with the game plan for the, for the opposing manager. But, you know, he didn't, have, he, he didn't have a problem hitting that home run in game one following that quad injury. You don't put him in in two, game two, game three, game four. You put him in game five, you win, and then you sit him again in game six. Like, it, blows, it, it blew my mind the way that they handled it. They wouldn't take him, him off the roster because, oh, we don't want to – risk him not being able to play in the World Series. But newsflash, you gotta win the first, you gotta win the ALCS in order to get to the World Series. So stop worrying about something that could happen and start focusing on the stuff that you need to do right now. And if Giancarlo Stanton was that unhealthy, that like if he wasn't able to play, A, don't keep on the roster, and B, don't keep lying to the media. Don't keep lying to the fans saying that, oh, we'll probably see him late in the game as a pinch hitter. Because Ed, it's not even like Edwin was hitting. He was, like I said, a black hole. I think his final stats, he hit .056. He was 1 for 18 with 11 strikeouts in the ALCS and Carnacion. So it's not like you were going to take out a guy who was hot. You were going to replace a black hole with potentially another black hole. But at least the second black hole had some threat, had some power threat, made, made a difference in the lineup. It, it just It's crazy to me. And the fact that, let's just say it, it wasn't the Yankees' choice. You know, maybe the Yankees said, all right, Giancarlo, it's up to you. Do you want to play or no? And if he's sitting there saying that he's not healthy to play, 
then he needs to go. Because two Hall of – well, one future Hall of Famer and, and a current Hall of Famer have come out and called Stanton out when they first heard that he was out of the lineup in game two. David Ortiz on Fox Sports 1, I think it was during pregame or postgame. I don't remember exactly when it was. But he said if it was him, you would have to drag him out of the lineup. And Reggie Jackson, he didn't know that he was on – he was live on, uh, on the radio. He thought they were off air. But he went on a rampage. He said, blank, blank, what the, what the blank? This guy's been out all blanking season. And, you know, obviously you switch the blanks with a couple F-bombs. But it just goes to show you that, that people were, were fl- flabbergasted at the fact that this guy wasn't playing. Like, I don't, I don't get it. This guy needs to be in the lineup. This is the, this is the ALCS. I understand the Yankees might have wanted to protect him because we have him for eight more years. We don't want him to sustain an injury like Kevin Durant, for example, who came back too soon and ended up having a whole even crazier injury. You know, this is the ALCS. It wasn't that type of injury, like like a career-threatening injury. Put him in. I do not get it. This guy's getting paid $325 million to sit on the bench. And you know what's even crazier, Nick? What's even crazier is the fact that when he was playing, he wasn't playing the whole game. He would play six innings. Then he'd be on the bench because he's a, quote, defensive liability in left field. If he's such a defensive liability, why'd you go out and trade for him? He's getting paid $27 million per year to not even play a full game in the playoffs. And then when he, when he hurts his quad, he can't even swing a bat. He can't even DH. It's crazy. And I, I want this guy gone. And I was so excited when we got him. He was, a, he was coming off an MVP season. I was so happy. I even tweeted, what a great day to be a Yankee fan. But a couple of years later, I, it, so far it's been a disaster. Yeah, man. It's... This whole this whole team, it's just if you're not gonna win, what what's the point of getting the ALCS every year? Or not even the ALCS and when you can't get beat the Red Sox, ALDS, but I I don't I just don't understand like with the crazy part is that they have all these they, they sign all these slobs who just strike out and can't make contact. Yep. What they need honestly is pe- more people like DJ. The people who just hit the ball every time for and they bat for average. Like what I don't understand how they got lost in translation where everyone obsesses over this home run. And it's gonna be the Yankees especially, they obsess uh over it more than anybody, and look what it does. It brings you to the promised land and right at the end, right when you're there, you choke. Like the same thing with Sand. You're gonna pay him this much money, not play him, but you're gonna you're going to hoard Clint Frazier in your minor leagues and not trade for him because, because that's your future. But yet you just, I don't understand. Like the window is right now after the, after two years ago, that that's when their window started. Boom. And we're already into it. And here we go. We're getting farther along. Everyone's getting older. Uh, contracts are starting to come up. Years are going by and the way they're spending they're going to be more likely to not retain all these pieces. So the longer we go and you're worried about the future, the less likely it's going to be. Other teams are going to get better, especially within the division. But at the same time, teams that are good right now aren't going to be as good. But at the same time, it's just going to rotate. Yeah. And it's going to, it's going to go to someone else. Baltimore is horrible right now. But guess what? The Toronto is getting better. Um, the Rays, they're showing you they're getting better. The Red Sox just won the World Series last year, and they didn't have it down here this year. But who's to say they don't come back and be the Red Sox in two exactly. years ago? So there's a, 
if if say some crazy thing happens, there's a chance you don't even get out of the division next year. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just mind boggling how we're just obsessing from five years from now. We got to have the team intact. We got to have the pieces set in stone. For what? <laughs> For what? You literally have the best lineup in all of – on paper, you have the best lineup in all of baseball, but you, you do nothing yeah. with it. If you look at the Nationals, what do they have? They have incredible pitching. Uh, Astros, incredible pitching, and also good batting. Same thing with the Nationals. The Nationals don't have any bums either. Mm-hmm. But the Yankees love having that Achilles heel, love having that crutch. I yeah, and to go back to your point about the whole Clint Frazier thing and how Cashman, like, boards, like, the minors and doesn't want to make the big move and stuff, you know, the Yankees could have had Garrett Cole when the Pirates were looking to move him a few years back. But they held on to Clint Frazier. They didn't want, hit, they didn't want to include him in the trade deal. And ultimately, the trade talk fell apart because the Yankees were unwilling to move Clint Frazier. And obviously, we all know he was Garrett Cole was then traded to Houston. But you know what's the ironic part? You know what's really what's really funny? What's that? The Yankees were unwilling to trade Clint Frazier to get Garrett Cole, right? Fast forward a few years. They don't it, it seems like they don't even want him on the roster anymore. And if the Yankees were gonna take Giancarlo Stanton off the postseason roster, they were gonna bring up Mike Talkman before they even thought about bringing up Clint Frazier. So if you're not even gonna use him in spots like that, why wouldn't you have just given him away for a starting pitcher, a thing, a pitcher that you could have used right now, a pitcher you could have used last year. That blows my mind. They weren't, he wasn't even a thought for the postseason roster. Mike Talkman was going to come up before Clint Frazier. That's so disrespectful. What about my guy Luke Voigt, Mike Talkman? Oh, <laughs> well, the only reason why Voigt wasn't on the roster is because of Encarnacion. And I, Oh, my God, I hate Encarnacion. Ever since he got traded for him, I knew he was going to be a slob that struck out nonstop. <laughs> and that's exactly what he was. Oh, my God. That's exactly what he was. But, um, you know, let's look. Let, let's try to figure out ways to improve this team. And, obviously, this is a team there that was 103-59. No <laughs> they won the division last season. I think the only way to improve this team is to acquire great starting pitching. And, obviously, Garrett Cole's going to be on the market. Uh, Steven Strasburg could could potentially opt out of his deal and become a free agent. Um, if I'm the Yankees, they have to walk into into Garrett Cole's into a meeting with Garrett Cole and hand him a blank check and say, "You tell us how much you want, and we'll get the deal done." I think Garrett Cole has to be the number one top priority for the Yankees. And if or if if they can't, and if they can sign Garrett Cole, I think the second option, if he opts out, is to go out and get Steven Strasburg as well. You know, I'd be perfectly content if the Yankees spent millions and millions of dollars and brought in Garrett Cole and and Steven Strasburg, and that's it. Since I I don't remember the stat line, I think it was 1915 that the Yankees haven't appeared in a. World yeah, the series. 1910s is the last time in a decade that they haven't appeared. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. I mean, you could call us spoiled, you could call us whatever, but when you when you get to that level, you have certain expectations, like the Patriots. Because they've been good for twenty years, it's expected that they good at that they're good. And then, say they were to have a, a down year this year, that'd be a disappointment if they went nine and seven, just because that's the way they are. The same thing with the Yankees. When you have twenty seven World Championships, I'm sorry, but it's win or bust. Whenever you have a team built like this, and sure, you could say that the we're, we have a high payroll, but the payroll's all in the wrong spots. Like you're you're out here trading for Encarnacion when you you don't need anybody else. 
you don't have to add any <laughs> any hitting pieces, any offensive pieces for years on end, but you trade for Encarnacion. It seems like every year they always make a trade for anything but starting pitching. Like they they pit uh, who the, who's the guy that McCutcheon? They we trade for McCutcheon last mm-hmm. year, so we have like thirty five outfielders, and it's just it's just rinse and recycle, repeat. The last time the Yankees were in the World Series, two thousand nine. I remember what happened the year before that. What they do? They spent money on starting pitching, and I said, "You know what? Let's win." And guess what happened? They yeah. They got AJ Burnett, CC Sabathia. I don't understand what's wrong with that. Trying moving from it. Granted, AJ Burnett, huge mm-hmm. bum. <laughs> CC Sabathia was the yeah. truth, though. So if you go out and you, <laughs> I'm I'm just saying the potential have Garrett Cole and Steven Strasburg. Those are probably both better. Than um than either CC or Burnett in their prime, but God forbid we spend money. Yeah, and I mean it's going to cost leagues. a lot of money to get those two, but I think it's those are the necessary steps in order to get over this hump. Like I wouldn't even address the the offense at all this post this uh this off season. I think Cashman has to go into the off season with just starting pitching on his mind. He won't though. And one guy that I I would kind of throw like, you know, it'd kind of be like the wild card signing. Is I would I would try to get Zach Wheeler for the cheap too. You know it, it, that's something that'll be kind of like a low risk, high reward type of thing. Because I mean his numbers look his numbers don't um, are, aren't that bad. I know he played for the Mets. I know he didn't really have a great career with the Mets, but maybe a change of scenery will help him. And and you know he pitched pretty well last year for the most part. And I, I, I that's a guy who I would I would kind of throw like a you know maybe he'll catch lightning in a bottle. He'll be very cheap, and if he ends up performing well for you, that's just a plus. Yeah, I, I, I basically I know it's not gonna happen where they're gonna get two huge guys like um I can't even think of Strasburg or or Cole, but with Cole he's he's gonna probably get over three hundred mil. So I, I, I can expect the Yankees I don't even think they'll go after him, honestly, but if they do it'll just be him by himself. But I mean, I think that's all you really need is one pitcher. Yeah, and I agree. Because we needed we needed something to replace Herman over the um, for the starting pitching lines. Like we we are really struggling. I mean, they did hold up. They did out of anybody. They did the best. But honestly, the only people that performed were starting pitching and DJ and Glaber game one, and then he. Drank some uh, Encarnacion and Judge Hughes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yes, you know, I think the Yankees have to go into this offseason, like I said, with just starting pitching on their mind. And my, my personal three targets would be, get in this order, Garrett Cole, Steven Strasburg, and Zach Wheeler. Um, I, I wouldn't adjust the offense. Obviously, you, they have to figure out what they're going to do with Didi because he is a free agent after this year. So whether they want to re-sign him or, or maybe look to tr- make a big trade to acquire Francisco Lindor from the Indians. I know that name has been kind of moving around, but – um, besides figuring out your shortstop situation, because obviously you could just slide Glaber over to shortstop and then DJ can become your full-time second baseman. Um, I-, I think they really need to focus in on starting pitching after that and then extend DJ LeMahieu because he only signed a two-year deal. So he's already halfway through his contract. They have to do whatever they can to make sure he stays in pinstripes the remainder of his career. And they have so many pieces that they could, even if they don't want to sign anybody or sign any of the free agents, they have so many pieces that they showed you that they're not going to need or use. Clint Frazier, not going to need him. 
any other uh, that we have that are top prospects, unless they're going to be, like, helping soon, like, if they're, like, huge developmental projects or prospects that are going to take years to develop, I'd say they're they're trade bait and they're worthy because you're you're trying to win now, not in five, seven. Yeah, I years. agree. Um and Duhar. He's he's a good hitter, but is he gonna choke during the playoffs like everyone else? And he has no defense anyway, so I d I don't know. When you have every all these other pieces, you could honestly get rid of like a few of the pieces that you have in the infield slash outfield and not miss any of them. And if, if that's the route you wanna go. I just want one picker, somebody that isn't Sonny Gray, Lance Lynn, or James Paxson, or some other uh, cheap bum that they don't want to pay high money to. Yeah. We'll we'll see what happens, man. We'll see. I think this is going to be a very important offseason for this Yankees team, and for Brian Cashman especially. Um, Hopefully he shuts up all the haters when it comes to him not being able to acquire big-time starting pitching, but only time will tell. And, you know, starting tonight, actually – on, uh, yeah, tonight is game one of the World Series between the Astros and the Nationals. Um, what's your quick prediction here, Nick, for this World Series matchup? I hope it's the Nationals. Please. Please, anything. <laughs> Nationals and seven. Please. Yeah, I'm, I'm going Nationals, too. I think that they're like the St. Louis Blues from the NHL last season. They were a team that was completely out of it come, you know, about the halfway point of the season. The Nationals were 19-31 and 31 at, at one point. And at that point in time of the season when they were 19 and 31, they had a 0.1% chance of making the World Series. So um, I think they're just that team this year, that team that just went on this remarkable run and just can't be stopped. So I'm going Nationals in six. Yeah, man. I think, honestly, the worst thing that could happen for the Yankees is the Astros yeah. win. Because you know, you know what that tells Brian Cashman? What? That tells them for three years, oh, in the playoffs, we lost to the eventual World Series winner. Our team is fine. <laughs> yeah, that is true. So, I think that that is the worst case scenario because then he will do absolutely nothing. It's, then it's, oh, they were just the better team. Well, guess what? Why don't you become the better team? <laughs> like, I, I, the, the logic of just sitting back and, like, waiting years on years on end instead of creating a dynasty is just – Imagine back in '96, they're like, "Let's uh, let's save Mariano and Jeter until like '04, then they'll be ready." <laughs> let's worry about winning then. It, it makes no sense. But what do I know? I'm I'm not getting paid millions of dollars to sign Encarnacion. <laughs> yep. So time will tell for this off season to see what Brian Cashman and the Yankees have in store. Hopefully, they acquire some starting pitching. Well, you've been listening to episode 22 of Eminem Sports Talk Podcast. Like you mentioned at the top of the show, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MN Sports Talk Pod. For Nick Cabrera, I'm Mark Morales. Thanks for listening.